The Houndsman XP podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsman of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsman. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this made-in-America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete Houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up there! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many day how many days a week do you spend on As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs> Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Houndsman XP Podcast. This is episode 384. We've gotten together 384 times in the last four years to bring you this podcast, and I appreciate every one of you that has tuned in and listened to all of our episodes. And if you're just finding the podcast, I just want to put this little shout out out there. We're glad to have you. I think you're going to learn a lot from listening to the Houndsman XP podcast. And um, we've put out a lot of good content, everything on nutrition, from nutrition to hydration to training to those legendary Houndsman stories and interviews that we do every week. So welcome aboard. One thing I would encourage you to do. All right, you just heard how many episodes we've done. And I still get messages about, have you ever done a podcast about this? Have you ever done it? Well, if you go into your podcast platforms, you can search all of the f- prior episodes and find out. Because quite honestly, I can't remember what episode is which 
I know we've done certain topics. I know that we've covered certain things, but to be able to say, yeah, go to episode 173, you know, right off the top of my head, I've got to go back in and search it too. And who knows, go back in there and search all of those episodes and you'll probably find other things that you want to listen to and other helpful hints. Let's get down to business in this episode of this podcast, and we are going to take a deep dive into bullets, bullet designs, how bullets work, and things that will help you choose the next round that you're going to use when you go out hunting. It's a great podcast. I went straight to the source, 100% American company, Hornady Ammunition. I've got Seth Swerzik that is going to join us, and I can't tell you how much stuff that I've learned while I was doing this interview, I had a lot of questions. You know, I've, I've carried a firearm for 28 years of my professional life. I was a Marine before that. But as far as having any kind of knowledge really of bullets, bullet designs, loads, stuff like that, I was never a reloader. So we're all going to learn together in this podcast, folks. I, it was, it was really mind boggling to me. I, I picked up a lot of stuff. So I think you're really going to enjoy it. And if you're, you know, not having the effectiveness out of your rounds on game that you think you should be having, or you're having to take multiple follow-up shots, things like that. Seth's going to open up a lot of ideas for us here and give us some information that could be crucial in picking a bullet that's going to give us that effective harvest, effective wound channels, and put trophies on the ground for us. And I'm not afraid to say trophies, folks. Trophy hunting is what saved North American wildlife, and I'm not ashamed of that. One big announcement that I have before we get to the interview is Houndsman XP is going to be contributing to the new Full Cry magazine. We're really excited about that. Danny and Jason Doobie are sitting at the helm of that thing, owning the magazine, and they're going to put together, I think it's going to be awesome. I think it's going to be more hound stuff. Get us back to the old iconic days of Full Cry, and we can't be more excited. If you're looking for a subscription to Full Cry, this is an idea for you. And we talk about what we do for our patrons in Patreon a lot. But if you're a Patreon supporter, when you join us on Patreon, you're going to be eligible for a complimentary one-year subscription to Full Cry magazine. And I was very happy to be able to work with Jason and Danny. And they think it's important enough for you to have this magazine in your hands. That's what we do here at Houndsman XP, preserve, protect, and promote. So we're going to be involved in that every chance we get, get that message out there. And it's really exciting to be able to offer this giveaway, this free subscription to Full Cry to our Patreon supporters. You can find out how to support this show through our website. So you go to houndsmanxp.com. You can click on the support us tab. It'll take you right to our Patreon page and you can start start today supporting the show that stands up for your rights, is your voice. And when you support us, then it gives us the opportunity to go to places like Florence, Colorado for Outdoorsman Days, a huge event, successful event that was put on by the Colorado Trappers and Predator Hunters Association that is in the trenches fighting to maintain our abilities to free cast hounds in the state of Colorado. 
and it's not just Colorado. I mean, there's ballot stuff going on all over the place. There, there are new regulations that are popping up, folks. And we're always going to be here to be the voice to bring you the information of how you can get involved. And don't think if it's just happening in Colorado that it's not coming to a town near you. Let's get down to business. This is a box shaker. Seth is a great guest to have on the podcast. And I don't know that I've ever talked to anybody else that had more information about ammunition and how it works than Seth. So I think it's going to be a great show for you to learn from. Let's get the tailgate down. It's time to dump the box. Yeah. How long have you guys been producing your podcast? Oh gosh, how long have we been producing our podcast, Judd? A uh, little over a year. We're on episode seventy-five-ish, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, Seth, introduce yourself. Yeah, I'm not so, gonna try to say your last name. Oh, it's not too hard. It's Seth Swerzik. I was gonna say that. I was yep. too. Sca- I, was, I didn't want to butcher your last name. Oh, it's it's been butchered butchered plenty. You know the area where I grew up, name you know, kind of Eastern European part of the midwest and so names like ours are, are pretty common uh but yeah you start venturing out into other places and that uh the c and the z side by side seem to throw people <laughs> whereabouts did you grow up seth i grew up kind of right in the middle of nebraska uh kind of in uh, the central part uh little little town called belgrade um out in the middle of nowhere uh right on the the cedar river and so it's kind of beautiful country out there uh heavily wooded river bottom uh tons of pasture and rolling hills and uh just a neat place to grow up for sure well you guys have got a good looking studio there that's for sure you like the bullet diagrams behind you and your sign it, it all looks good man all yeah, looks well, good it, the podcast it kind of was a uh, like like you said you know when you were starting yours drinking water from a fire hose and likewise for us we didn't know exactly what we were doing but wow it became incredibly popular and it really helps us reach so many people that we otherwise wouldn't. So we invested in a studio and some art and backdrops and that kind of thing. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, I know your podcast is successful. I watch you guys on, on chartable and, and, uh, follow some of your content and, uh, yeah, you guys, you guys do a great podcast for anybody. And, and that's why I wanted to have you on to introduce the Hornady podcast to our audience so that um, we can get more educated in bullet selections and different things like that. We dropped a podcast last week uh, about with Bridger Petrini and a conflict or a, a, a confrontation that he had with a, a black bear that almost killed him. Oh boy. And um, he was carrying a 10 millimeter and we didn't throw Hornady under the bus at all, but he was loaded with uh, Hornady criti- critical defense ammo. Mm instead of a more suit uh yeah a more suitable round for you know what he what he could have been carrying in that 10 millimeter and and that's why i wanted to talk to you guys too is uh we never can be too educated on on bullet selections and things like that so let's start with uh the thing that amazes me about hornady is you guys are you're not just a retail ammunition company you guys started out as a a bullet manufacturer in 1949, a designer of bullets. Right. Yeah. That was uh, humble beginnings to say the least, but yeah, you had Joyce Hornady, the founder of the company. He was a marksmanship instructor during world war two. 
and he was a competitive pistol shooter in the 30s and uh, early 40s and he loved a varmint hunt you know in central nebraska uh in those days uh up until about uh, 10 or 15 years ago prairie dogs were pretty prolific in this area and 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 no better pastime than shooting on prairie dogs and right accuracy when you start pushing the boundaries on distance became very important and the bullets that were available just weren't accurate enough for what joyce wanted to do so he got a surplus a world war ii surplus bullet press and uh, made some tooling up found an investor and started making bullets and uh the rest is history as they say since 1949 is what I was reading is when yep. it officially opened the doors for Hornady bullets at that time. Yep. He was making a 150 green 30 caliber bullet, uh, which is still one of our more popular bullets today. And he was also making a 22 caliber. I believe it was a 55 might've been a 50, uh, but just simple bullets that shot to his accuracy standard. And uh, yeah, they didn't produce uh, ammunition until the 60s so it was kind of a standalone bullet company and then we got into the reloading tools market and then with uh, military surplus brass we were able to start producing ammunition in the 308 family because we could neck it up and down to 243 and 7 millimeter 08 and same thing with the 30 out six and the 270 and the 25 out six and uh that that was the springboard into the ammunition market and really joyce's thought process was he doesn't want to be an ammo company, as I understand it. He wanted everybody to shoot Hornady bullets, and mm -hmm. not everybody could hand load. So the quick way to get people to shoot Hornady bullets was to give it to them in factory loaded ammunition. That's where I'm at. I'm not a hand loader. And when I read, um, you know, articles and different things on bullet coefficients and designs and, you know, all the tech talk around, uh, you know, bonded bullets, and I can't even tell you, I can't even regurgitate some of the, the technical terms that, that a lot of people that are a lot more accomplished than I am in bullet design and bullet selection. You know, as a hunter, I just, I need a bullet that I know is going to work and for, for my intended purpose. And I thought, man, we got to, we got to do another dive into ammo selection and stuff yeah. like that. You know, I've, I've, I've been guilty in the past of, um, um, not paying close enough attention to the type of bullet and load that I'm carrying in a hunting rifle. I was always very meticulous and wanted to know some of the technical stuff when I was in law enforcement, of course, and, and, and wanted to make sure that those bullets were effective, but, mm -hmm. but I want to zero in on hunting calibers because this is a true story. <clears throat> so we're walking into a bay up on a bear and I was carrying a, uh, a 357 Magnum pistol that was loaded with, um, uh, under Underwood extreme penetrators. Uh, that's a lay high Valley bullet yep. at the time. And another guy was carrying a 454 Casule with like an eight inch barrel on it. I think he had to have a back scabbard for it. You know, one of those great big, yeah. you know, but he's like, what are you carrying? I said, 357. And, um, uh, he said, oh, it's not big enough to, to, for a black bear. And I said, well, what are you carrying? He said, 454. I said, what's yours loaded with? And he didn't even know. He didn't even know. It was it's bullets he got at Walmart. Yeah, whatever he could find. Whatever he could find. And, you know, I've, in my 350 Legend, I carry the, I use the Hornady um, uh, bullets. And I've got 38s. I've got critical defense bullets. I've got 
critical uh, duty. duty. I've carried the critical duty on duty in or in my backup pistols to my duty weapons and things like that. But sure. Um, I really want to zero in on talking about the importance of having the right bullet in your shooter. Yeah. Yeah. There's, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. And I think like you mentioned at the beginning, it's important just to be educated and, you know, we have a responsibility as a manufacturer to help educate our consumer base. And likewise, as the consumer, you know, you have the responsibility to the animal to, to do your homework and make sure you select the right product. And I think from a bullet standpoint, regardless of caliber and cartridge, when it comes to just the projectile, there's so much that's misunderstood that we that work internally, we're in an echo chamber. We understand the technology and we yeah. understand the differences, but it's not always easy to digest. And so I think uh, the first part of educating someone uh, that wants to know is to talk about bullet construction and what bullet construction types there are and what those types are good for. Um, there's some crossover, of course, and then there's some things where you really don't want X, Y, or Z product. You really want A, B, or C product, you mm -hmm. know? And so I think from a bullet construction standpoint, largely that is the, a great place to start. Well, let's, let's just start with, I think one of the most mis uh, most overused and misunderstood and probably not even a, a valid um, term that is used by people who shoot, shoot firearms, guns mm -hmm. is knockdown power. Yeah. That's what, a, when you hear that term, Seth, what, what do you think of immediately? Uh, you know, like an Elmer Fudd kind of thing, you know, <laughs> uh, cause it's, it's a, it's a made up value. And I understand the, the, cavalier attitude of explaining of something that has knockdown power and it's just i think most people just assume it's a culmination of velocity and energy and bullet weight that really knocks the snot out of stuff and so i don't discredit that term because some people uh that's how they want to refer to things and that's okay right. um but it's not a quantifiable value and really what what it comes down to is the bullet transferring energy and I think that's what most people uh, is, they don't know this, but that's what they're explaining when they say knockdown power is the bullet has a lot of energy and it's got to transfer that energy into the animal. And it does that by way of velocity. Velocity is what makes bullets work. So you really have to take careful consideration to ensure that your bullet is going fast enough to expand. Because again, velocity makes bullets mm -hmm. expand and that's what transfers the energy. So, uh, energy transfer or quote unquote knockdown power is huge and important. It's not the only thing to be concerned with, but, uh, it's a kind of an overused, like you said, blanket statement that doesn't always make sense in context because you could have a dangerous game load shooting a solid that's, you know, viable for killing an elephant. And if you shoot a deer in the guts with it, the deer's going to run a really long way, even though that bullet was carrying 10,000 foot pounds of energy with it. It didn't expand. It didn't transfer the energy and you didn't hit it in the vitals. Um, likewise, you can't take a, you know, a, a 22 caliber 55 grain V max, which is the V coyote bullet out there and shoot an elephant in the side with it either. Mm -hmm. uh, didn't have enough energy, didn't have enough penetration, but it expanded. So there's 
both ends of the spectrum there and you just have to educate yourself on finding what works and understand how it works. Absolutely. It's like, how boring would it be if, if somebody said, man, you put a good shot on that, that, you know, that bear in that bay up and you're like, well, it's because, you know, I had the transfer of energy through this bullet design, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> nobody wants to yeah. talk to that guy. No, know? no, they don't. No. And that's okay. Yeah. But, but as the shooter, they should understand what's going on. And I think the, the bullet world often misunderstood. And I think uh, we can clear some of that up today and, and clear up what some of the bullet types for both pistol and rifle, what those types of constructions are and which ones are, are better or worse and what velocities they need to be working in. Right. Right. So, um, I think it's a term, you know, that when I hear people use that term knockdown power, it's mm -hmm. just a term that people use. It's similar in the hound world of saying, you know, you've got a cold nosed dog, you've got a hot nosed dog. And it's just something that we use to describe, uh, how that, that particular dog operates on scent. And okay. even though, even though we don't, a lot of times we don't always understand all the technicalities and the science and everything behind it. We've had enough exposure to see this works. This doesn't work for this application. So when we, when we start getting to bullets, a lot of times it's the same thing. You know, it's like, you know, just like Bridger Petrini with his, his critical defense mm -hmm. rounds on that black bear. Yeah, he knew, definitely. he knew real quick that that bullet wasn't working. And right. ad admittedly in the podcast, you know, now he's talking, he, he said, you know, I know I had the wrong bullet in it, but it was better than going into the fight with a hickory switch. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Oh yeah. He's, he's right there. There are yeah. definitely better bullet options out there and we can talk about why. Yeah. Well, let's dive into it. Let's talk about, let's talk about the main, uh, bullets for, that we would be applicable the bullet styles that Hornady offers it would be mm -hmm. applicable for what we do and I we talked about it a little bit through email and things like yeah. that but as houndsman we have some pretty special I think we've got some pretty special um particular needs for the bullets we need right. um you know if you're you you don't want to get into too much penetration because, and I want to have this conversation in a way, because I, like I said, I'm no expert. So I'm going to describe what I want in a bullet in layman's terms. And then we can yeah. talk about the different bullet designs. Sure. So, so when I walk into a bay up on a black bear, I've got dogs running around, uh, you know, it's a, it's a critical situation. I'm trying to keep dogs from getting hurt. I don't want to be the cause of a dog getting hurt by using the wrong bullet design, you know, not having enough bullets but I think we can also get to too much bullet. Like oh, when yeah. you start getting into hard cast and, and mm -hmm. stuff like that, where you've got too much pass through and now you're running the risk of, of injuring uh, one of your hounds on the other side of this bay up that you may or may not see. Cause you know, a lot of times bears don't bay up in a wide open, perfect area where you can yeah. see everything. They like They've the got nasty their, stuff. Oh yeah. They get their back butts backed up in that brush and, and, uh, you got to really be on your toes in that situation. So what would you as, you know, what would Hornady recommend for, let's start with black bear, uh, okay. something that it's pretty tough skin. You got a fat, you got a lot of hair, you got a mm -hmm. big fat layer. 
and you need something that's that's going to do the job and if you hit a bone it's not going to fragment and and you know hurt your chances of being effective yep uh for handgun mainly or do you want to talk rifle let's as well? talk rifle and handgun i okay. mean we got we got people yeah. carrying both sure on the handgun side of things uh we've really got two two solid options uh on the like you mentioned with the 10 millimeter the one that comes to mind for me right out of the gate with 10 millimeter is the handgun hunter uh, and so th that ammo the name says it all and so if you don't do any education on on your part for bullet selection but you see handgun hunter on the box you're going to do okay regardless of what caliber it's in but in 10 millimeters specifically handgun hunter the whole line what that features is called a monolithic bullet so mm -hmm. uh, this is a bullet that has no lead core and lead cores are awesome bullet cores we've been using lead since forever it just works but the monolithics What's that? What that gains you is some enhanced penetration when compared to a lead core bullet because they don't shed any weight. So if the bullet starts life as 155 grains, it's going to end pretty darn close to 155 grains. Now in 10 millimeters specifically, uh, the reason I like that one is we we do kind of a reduced uh, bullet weight in all of these. So this one's a 135 in 10 millimeter, 135 grains, which sounds light for caliber. But because it's lighter, you're going to pick up velocity mm -hmm. and velocity makes bullets work. So you're going to get a bullet that is going to punch through hide, punch through bones, still expand and expand reliably, regardless of what you impact or how far away it is with the 10 millimeter. Um, so for me, the handgun hunter is choice number one because of that monolithic construction. Mm -hmm. If you want something that's not going to penetrate quite as deep, you can opt for the XTP which stands for extreme terminal performance. It's a kind of a traditional hollow point. You could think of it a fully jacketed hollow point with a serrated jacket. And those perform really well. Uh, one of the reasons that I would recommend the monoflex in the handgun hunter over the jacketed hollow point is a hollow point has exactly that a hollow point. Mm -hmm. And in some instances, a hollow point of any manufacturer, that hollow cavity can get plugged up with hide let's say or meat fat some other sort of terminal media and it won't expand reliably with a uh, handgun hunter bullet with that monoflex it is a elastomer filled cavity so the harder you hit something the more media you hit the further it pushes the bullet open and the better energy transfer you have so, so explain explain that tip a little bit you used a technical term there that that yeah. um might need some explanation the elastomer tip yes yep so elastomer it's you know think of it as like a goo i'm gonna call it just for really layman's terms but it's it's kind of like a, a goo a gooey material that's soft and compressible and when you compress it it goes sideways right like a mm -hmm. like a balloon if you squeeze a balloon it gets longer right so we fill that cavity with this material and it's cured in there so it can't come out and then as it, the bullet strikes what you're shooting, that material compresses and the jacket can't hold that compression, right? So it has to move to get out of the way. And then now that jacket that is opened is meeting the terminal media as well. And the whole bullet mushrooms back beautifully. It's if you've ever seen a recovered handgun hunter bullet, they just lay open. looks like a flower with petals on it. They're, they, they perform really well. And the, the key there is that elastomer 
makes it so that that bullet upsets and expands the same way every single time you shoot it, regardless of what you shoot it in. So uh, the Handgun Hunter, just an outstanding product line. And another one for you wheel gun guys is Lever Evolution. Now in the name, it's Lever Evolution, and we designed it for lever action rifle, so it's safe in a tubular magazine. But for 44 Magnum, uh, 357 Magnum is another perfect one. These Lever Evolution loads, perfectly safe to feed and function in a revolver. They're going to work great. And the tip material is very similar to that of the Handgun Hunter. And that means they expand reliably the same every time. And they expand really well at lower velocities, which, you know, some of those guys run four-inch revolvers. So you have a little bit reduced velocity and they're still going to expand uniformly. Um, so you can get away with using a traditional hollow point, like an XTP from Hornady, but if you're really trying to make the educated decision, something in the handgun hunter line or the lever evolution line, if you're a wheel gunner, um, really makes a lot of sense. The wheel gun stuff, the lever evolution. I'm a wheel gun guy. Yeah, I'm a yeah. fan. They're awesome. So those, those lever evolution bullets, it's the FTX bullet, is a, a traditional cup and core bullet. So that means it has a copper jacket, and a lead core. And one of the things that separates Hornady in the bullet making world, uh, some bullet manufacturers will manufacture jackets and then they'll put all those jackets in a bucket and they'll put them up on the shelf. And then when they're ready to make a shop order for this bullet, they'll go grab the jackets off the shelf and then they'll draw out the bullet. Mm -hmm. Well, Hornady takes copper cups to a finished product on one machine in one line. Why that's important is we can guarantee that the first draw when that cup goes in and the last one are in a perfectly true plane. So we're drawing that jacket out concentrically. We can hold that jacket so perfectly circular that it's almost impossible to measure. We're measuring things, you know, well into the tens of a thousandths. So we can keep those bullets perfectly circular. And if you have a perfectly circular bullet, you have an accurate bullet. So if you take the wheel gun and you're making the 25, 30, 40, 50 yard shot, you have accuracy. Uh, and that lead core, you get a lot of weight because lead is very dense. Mm -hmm. You have the polymer tip to initiate the expansion and transfer that energy. It's just the best of all worlds. Those uh, uh, FTX bullets featured in the Lever Evolution line, phenomenal hunting bullets from a revolver or a lever action. Well, you talked about, you talked about weight. And I'm mm -hmm. going to sidetrack us a little bit here with this because sure. I've been guilty of this myself. You know, I'm shooting a 44 Magnum. So I'll be, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I need to sh shoot a heavy bullet for, for that penetration. How sure. is Hornady, how is Hornady, uh, offering a monolithic bullet? That's a lighter weight construction, but mm -hmm. maintaining that same performance. So the monolithic, the reason that they, a, lead core bullet will typically be out penetrated by a mono metal bullet like our handgun hunter is because of weight retention mm -hmm. so uh, as a bullet expands let's say you start with classic 44 mag load a 240 grain bullet in a 44 mag very classic combination well if it retains half of its weight now you have a 120 grain bullet that you recover and so it sheds a lot of that weight between here and there well if you look at a 44 mag that's a monolithic and now you have a 180 grain bullet let's say you recover it at 175 grains it only lost 
five grains, and let's say they both go somewhere between 16 and 18 inches of penetration, but the lighter bullet went just as deep because it didn't lose any weight. I'm getting educated here, Seth. That's for sure. Uh, I never even thought about taking that deep of a dive and looking at that, you know, because up until this point right here, I would look at both bullets and think, okay, I'm going to go for the 240 grain bullet yeah, and not even think about the, the weight the loss made of. Yeah. Yep. yep. And, and a 240 grain bullet out of a 44 mag, regardless of bullet construction, that's probably pretty good black bear medicine. Uh, I mean, that's a, a powerful cartridge and uh, with a, with a good bullet. Uh, but again, the construction difference and how those things interact makes a big difference on your, on the label, right? And you look at one going 180, oh, that's way too light. Right. And in reality, you're going to get the same, if not deeper penetration and likely more uniform expansion because of our elastomer tip uh, and tons of weight retention. So uh, it's, yeah, just one of those things that if somebody wants to take a deep dive, there's, there's a lot to learn. Yeah. Is, so is the, the monolithic bullet, is that a, um, is it a copper construction or is yep. it a trade secret? I don't want to. Not a trade secret. We use yeah. uh, an alloy. So there, Barnes is another brand that does a lot of monolithic bullets, and they use pure copper as far as I understand it. And ours is slightly different. We use we add zinc into our copper, uh, and what that allows us to do is get a material that's more luberous, makes the material a little slippier, right? So it will foul your barrel less. Mm-hmm. It expands a little easier without being brittle, and because they move the material moves a little easier because of the zinc they're a little bit easier to manufacture than pure copper so it's a copper zinc alloy and it they hit like a hammer you can hear the difference when you when you shoot an animal you know you can hear that thwack a yeah. lead core bullet versus a, a copper bullet uh, you can hear a difference uh, when they impact it's kind of remarkable <laughs> uh, it's awesome that's awesome well What's the difference between let's, let's talk a little bit about the difference between you talked about energy, you talked Mm -hmm. about handguns and how is bullet performance affected between rifles and handguns? Sure. If I'm going to take the, the, if I'm going to take that lever revolution mm -hmm. and I'm going to stick it in a handgun versus sticking it in a rifle, what causes the differences of performance there? So the difference you're going to see there is mainly velocity driven. And I said, you know, bullets require velocity to work. And anytime you increase velocity on an expanding bullet, a bullet that's that's mushrooming out and expanding, mm-hmm. if you increase velocity, you decrease penetration depth. So if you slow a bullet down and it's still expanding, it will penetrate deeper. And the reason for that is think of a parachute. You know, if, if a parachute opens really slowly, you're going to fall a little faster. Where if a parachute opens to this maximum diameter really, really quickly, you're, it's going to catch more air. Mm-hmm. Likewise, when a bullet expands very rapidly, you have this huge increase in frontal diameter. It's going to slow the bullet down, limit the penetration a little bit. Uh, where if you, if you have a, a slower impact speed, that rate of expansion is slower and it will penetrate deeper. Uh, so hopefully that makes sense. It seems. I've had people think that that's counterintuitive, that they think a faster velocity should penetrate deeper. And mm-hmm. if the bullet was a non-expanding bullet, that would probably be true. But because hunting bullets are expanding, the faster the velocity, the lower the penetration depth. Mm-hmm. And there's some instances where if you make a wrong choice, 
uh, especially as a hand loader, if you select the wrong bullet in your hand loads, you can actually push a bullet so fast that it fails to penetrate the required depth to get, you know, to get a lethal shot. Or you could shoot a factory ammo that's not paired well for the game you're after, like in your example of the black bear with you know, critical defense in 10 millimeter. Critical defense bullets were designed to shoot from, say, four inch or shorter barreled uh, firearms and go about 10 to 12 inches into gel. So when you're shooting a black bear that's furred up, big, aggressive, a bunch of adrenaline, you're not getting very much penetration. And that's simply because of the bullet construction. We make those jackets a little thinner. Um, so bullet performance, I've said it a bunch already, but very much tied to velocity. Gotcha. Gotcha. So how does, how does Hornady test the velocity when you pick mm -hmm. up a a box of and i've got a box up here right now and i don't know what they're on that uh 357 low but say you know they're going for so many feet per second mm -hmm. you know how is that measured and then transferred to the box are you testing that out of a four inch revolver or are you testing that out of a, a 16 inch barrel on the 357 i believe it's an eight and three eighths barrel i could be wrong maybe it's six and three quarter i can't remember uh what we do in that situation is let me, let me grab this. that box. Let me oh, grab sure. it. I want to see what it is. Hey folks, this is a great opportunity to tell you about a product I'm using right now that I've just flat got addicted to. And that is Onyx. I'm in Northern New Mexico right now, as you're listening to this podcast and we've been chasing bears. I came out here a few days early, took the opportunity to, to ride the ranch here mark the trails mark water sources food sources bear sign all of that sort of stuff and it helped me get to know this ranch when a bear is started at the bottom and he's coming to the top i don't have to try to find a trail i've already got it mapped through the app i mean it's so easy it's right there on your phone that you got with you all the time anyway i want to tell you also a true story and this happened this morning when we were running a bear the hounds were taking a track from the bottom of the canyon. They were going up through some rocky, ledgy country there, and they were headed towards the top of the mesa. I flipped open my Onyx, and boom, I know right where my trails are to get up there if I need to pack them up, if I need to, you know, just get to the top of the mesa in a hurry. I already knew where that was because I'd already mapped it. I'd already laid my track from my buggy and was able to see where all the trails were coming out of this country. Also, the other part of the story is I couldn't actually get my handheld tracking device to orient properly and tell me exactly where the hounds were. So by opening up Onyx, I had an idea of the country they were in. I could see all the train features. Super handy. You can get their elite package by going to our website, going to houndsmanxp.com, go to our partners page, click on the Onyx icon, and go to their website, and you will pick up 20% off of your elite subscription when you use the code HXP20. It's that easy, folks. Know where you stand with Onyx. All right, just so we're we're talking straight up here on 357 ammo. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, 125 grain XTP. Okay. And it is showing 1,500 feet per second. Does it have a barrel length listed on there? I know on some of the pistol stuff, we'll actually mm. put the barrel length. But where we go for that is Sammy. 
Are you familiar with SAMI, the Sporting mm -hmm. Arms and Ammunition Manufacturers Institute? Right. So if it's a SAMI-approved cartridge, then there is a SAMI barrel length. And so that's what will uh, achieve our printed velocities uh, on the box. And that's regardless of pistol or rifle. Uh, that is something that we do across the board. If it's a SAMI-approved cartridge, we'll use the SAMI-recommended barrel length to achieve velocity. And gotcha. a 357 mag, I simply can't remember. It's either 6 and 3 quarter or like 8 and 3 eighths, uh, somewhere in between but there. But it's something Might be that's relevant. Inches. For the you know the common use for this round, three fifty seven is most commonly carried in a handgun. You yep. know there are three fifty seven rifles, but you guys are testing your ammo based on what a hillbilly houndsman like me is probably going to be carrying it in, and that's a pistol. Yep, yep. Uh, and cool. with a with a pistol cartridge, you do get some increased velocity going to a rifle. However, you don't get near as much as you do with a rifle. So with if you have a rifle cartridge, say a, a 308 Winchester, mm -hmm. from 14 inches of barrel length to 30 inches of barrel length, you're, you're going to get somewhere between 20 and 40 feet per second per inch of barrel length. No way. Uh, and you, yeah, I mean, you can almost count you can count on it that's going to be within there usually it's closer to 25 feet per second but we you know we'll open it up just to to be all encompassing but almost all sure. cases are around 25 feet per second per inch of barrel on a revolver cartridge going to a rifle because there's so little propellant you're producing so little gas volume in comparison to the bore volume increase um, you're really not gaining as much velocity you certainly won't get 25 feet per second per inch going from eight inches to say a 20 inch carbine um you know you might pick up an extra 150 200 foot but certainly not the you know the huge increase that you would see with a bottleneck rifle cartridge again something i didn't know you know i thought magically this bullet turned into like you know beast mode when i stuck it in a 44 mag rifle or a yeah. 357 mag rifle i've got it in both but uh, yeah it it does pick up some speed yeah but again the the propellant charge you know on a 357 mag it's what eight or nine ten grains of powder and it just lacks the gas volume to really mm -hmm. propel that bullet a whole lot faster right right well, what else you got on uh on pistol ammo for us on pistol ammo i would mm -hmm. say you know the a classic like the XTP, you really can't go wrong. It's a solid option. If you want to look into something a little bit more uh technologically advanced, anything with a polymer tip is just going to increase the consistency mm -hmm. of your expansion. Um and then you know make the choice between monolithic and lead core. Again, there's good options in both, but um the lead core stuff is going to be heavier for caliber. The monolithic stuff a little lighter for caliber, but don't let that light for caliber uh, scare you off that is okay. very much uh uh people get caught up in that but just because it's lighter doesn't mean it's going to underpenetrate when it's monolithic all right let's talk about i've got one more question about handgun sure. ammo because i did pick these up when i picked up a new uh 357 not too long ago and they're your american gunner uh 125 grain xtp yeah that what was that bullet built for because i you know i obviously i I want to know, is this a hunting route? Is this suitable yeah. for hunting? Is it? Yep. It, okay. Yeah. The XTP bullet was really designed to be our first introduction. This was designed in the eighties to be our first introduction into a bullet that had a chance 
to pass the FBI protocol for penetration, which I know you'd be familiar with on the law enforcement side. Right. It was designed for that terminal performance, extreme terminal performance. That's the name. So it is very much a hunting bullet. Um, the 125 grainer, we got people use it every year on, on whitetail deer, Midwestern whitetail deer. Plenty of them fall to 125 grain bullet and 357 mag from a, you know, a nice lever action carbine. Um, we do offer in some heavier options. We do 140 grain. We also do 158 grain. Um, we offer the bullet for reloading as 180 grain. So we really span the spectrum of 357 really? mag with the XTP. Yep. And we offer the XTP as small as 25 caliber for the 25 auto all the way up to 500 Smith and Wesson. Okay. With the XTP then, would it be, would I, for, for our uses as houndsmen, Mm-hmm. Say we've got a guy out there that's that's doing his own reloading and things like that, or knows somebody that that does reloading, and he can help them out there. Are we looking at with this particular bullet? Would I be gaining anything by jumping up to that 180 grain on on penetration, terminal performance, wound channel? You know, what would I, or should I, think, I just? What do you think? I think- yeah, what you'd see there is kind of a slide rule effect where if you move this one slide rule, this one comes down and this one goes up and they're all interrelated. So if you jumped up to a 180 grain bullet, you are going to increase your penetration. One, because it's just a heavier bullet. Mm-hmm. It's not going to shed as much weight and it's going to be going significantly slower. So you're going okay. to increase your penetration. You will not increase likely, excuse me, you likely won't uh increase your wound channel, your permanent or temporary wound cavity, because that bullet's going to be expanding so much slower. It will be a less efficient energy transfer unless you drove it from a 357 max or something, you know, or you right. had a, a bolt action pistol made up. Um, so you're going to get less expansion, deeper penetration. Uh, with the 125, you're going to get the opposite. You'll get a little bit less penetration than a 180, but you'll have a more pronounced wound cavity. Mm-hmm. You will transfer more energy. You will displace more tissue. Um, your temporary wound cavity will do more damage where the 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 bullet is displacing material and it stretches out until it reaches its elastic, you know, uh, capacity and then it lacerates, right? You're going to do more tissue damage with a faster expanding bullet. So you're not wrong with the 125. If you had a hand loader out there, you might split the difference and pick a 158 or a 140. And that mm-hmm. would kind of blend all things. But again, light for caliber with speed, if you put the bullet in the right place is going to really do some damage. Yeah. And that's what we're looking for is that Explain terminal performance. I want to break this yeah. down as base, basic as we can. When we see a bullet manufacturer talk about terminal performance or wound channel mm-hmm. length, let's just break some of those terms down. Because from what you yeah. just said, what am I really looking for in my bullet design? Do I want that larger wound cavity or do I mm-hmm. want that deeper penetration? Well, that's up to I the user a lot to decide. There. Yeah, there's a you know that's all personal preference on whether you want deeper penetration or faster expansion. And again, there's, there's slide rule related. If you want more of one, you're going to get less of the other. So it's personal preference based on what you're hunting and what your shot preferences are. You know, there's a lot of people, um, uh, I'll reference this to deer because everybody seems to understand deer. There's a lot of people that I know that won't take a quartering two shot on a Mm -hmm. deer with a high powered rifle. And I know other people that crush them in the front shoulder when they're facing them and the bullet 
choice is different. If you're only taking behind the shoulder, soft tissue shots, a really rapid expanding bullet makes a lot of sense because it's coming in between uh, bone coming off the shoulder blade in soft tissue, your very short neck. So the neck is the distance that a bullet travels before it expands. Mm -hmm. Very short neck, very large and rapid initial expansion. So that'll give you a large permanent wound cavity. And then the temporary wound cavity is the shock, the hydraulic shock traveling through the tissue and the tissues absorbing that, that energy and it will stretch. And a lot of tissue think like lung tissue, liver tissue, the heart, for example, and then Mm -hmm. just meat and muscle, it will expand and absorb energy so much until it reaches a point where it can no longer expand. And at that point, it lacerates and that's where you get all of that hemorrhaging. Mm-hmm. So a faster expanding bullet will do more of that than a slower expanding bullet. And again, they're related because if you want deeper penetration, if you want to shoot through the shoulder blade, you need to go heavier for caliber. You need to probably slow the velocity down so that it can punch through that shoulder blade and still get into the vitals. Where if you took a higher velocity bullet that was lighter weight and smoked it into a shoulder, it might not get the penetration that you want. So it's it's a slide rule and it's important to keep all those things in mind. And I think a good general answer is to not find yourself grossly on one side of either of the, of that spectrum. Mm-hmm. If you can find a spot in the middle, say, if you want to go with lighter and faster expanding, maybe step up in, in caliber, you know, maybe step up in bullet diameter instead of 10 millimeter, you know, maybe go to a 44 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And if, and if you're going to designate a certain caliber don't be the lightest and don't be the heaviest maybe right in the middle is a good place to be to give yourself the best of all the worlds so yeah we don't always get to pick and i'm I'm talking you know that oh shit moment where it's like i gotta do something right now you may not have that ideal shot so it may be a a front shoulder it may be a quartering two uh, type shot so middle middle weights and taking advantage of velocity mm-hmm. and the weight of your bullet is is where you recommend being for for this type of hunting. That that really gives you a lot of flexibility, I'm gonna call it. You know, it, it really allows yeah. you to go, okay, I don't have the perfect shot placement, but I know if if I have to take a quarter and two shot through a shoulder blade because that animal's backed up against the, you know, a a, a mountain and he, he's only way out is forward. I'm going to have to take that shot. Sure. Yeah. Then make sure you've done your homework and you feel good about your bullet weight and your velocity. And it's another reason to go from, uh, you know, let's say a 38 special to a 357, you right. know, like it just a little bit more horsepower isn't sure. going to hurt your feelings in that scenario. Yeah. Now that's interesting. And I'm talking about these extreme situations because that's they where we're, yeah, what that's where we really need the performance. It's it's no big deal. I mean, when you walk into a, a a tree with a mountain lion or a bear in it, you can take your time, you can position yourself a lot of times for that shot that's ideal. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm throwing these extreme, you know, performance situations at you yep. because right we don't always get to control that. It's kind of like you know, the Cape Buffalo charging out of the brush. You know, that's, that's a pucker, that's a pucker factor moment or a leopard, I, a leopard coming out of the brush. 
Yep. You, uh, yeah, you, you don't need a 416 Ruger to kill a Cape Buffalo, but if one's charging at you, you'd be glad you had it. That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's talk about rifle bullets yeah. a little bit. Cause you guys are, you've got the largest line in what you call your big game bullet line. I think so. I think you've got nine of them, whereas mm -hmm. some of the other leading manufacturers offer four or five. Yeah. That's... So, so why so many different bullets designs? Let's start off right there. Is yeah. it just for consumer? Yeah, I think it's to give the consumer the right tool for the job. And not everybody's doing the same job. It used to be that most of the job, you know, the game you're after, was a deer size on down, you know, black bear included, at traditional ranges, sub 250 yards. Mm-hmm. That, that was the majority, that was the, the gross majority, the very hefty majority of all hunting. And then that started to change as technology developed. And so we just provided bullets and ammo that evolved uh, with that. So uh, this isn't, you know, typical of a, of a houndsman like yourself, but the ELDX is a good example of technology change such that people are hunting at non-traditional distances, mm -hmm. four to 800 yards, let's say. And they're doing it regardless of what bullets are out there. So let's give them a bullet that's purpose-built to, to fit that niche. So that's what we did. And so we just have this big product line so that you don't have to compromise, that there's something there that is a really, really hand-in-glove situation for what you're doing. Um, and just like we talked about with a pistol, a bullet's dependency on velocity is always there, and it's exaggerated with a rifle simply because of the ludicrous velocity when you compare it to a revolver. So very important to, to make the right bullet construction choice for what you're after. Yeah. Yeah. So taking this into, um, the, the game that we're hunting, let's talk about some specific bullet designs yeah. that, that you think would work well for a person that's, you know, I carry a 350 legend. Yep. Uh, that's, that's been my go-to I've got a carried a 30, 30, uh, but right now I'm shooting a 350 legend. I've kind of been on that kick lately, yeah. but, um, and I've seen, seen very good performance out of your 170. I think it's, it, what do you call that? Your whitetail hunter. Yep. Interlock American whitetail. Yep. Yep. American whitetail. So let's talk about that interlock bullet. Yeah. And that's really the bullet that started it all for Hornady was that design, the exposed lead tip, kind of a traditional look. Um, and it has, like the name implies, an interlock ring. And the way that works, we have a jacket around the lead, and the jacket is a certain thickness. Mm -hmm. And that's not an arbitrary number. We play with jacket thickness as a way to control expansion. Uh, because the jacket, we can taper it so it's thinner up front and thicker it towards the bottom so that as the bullet's mushrooming open, it's having to move more material so it slows the expansion down. Well, another thing we do is that interlock ring. So we've got a very specifically tapered jacket, and then the interlock ring is a feature of the jacket. Think of it like a barb inside the jacket. Mm -hmm. Let's see a barb like inside. it goes like this inside the jacket. Right. And we put the lead core inside the bullet and we smash the core. We do our core seat operation. Mm -hmm. That makes the lead fill out the cup. Well, that lead fills out the cup and ga is gouged by that interlock ring. 
So now we have two mechanisms to control expansion. We have a jacket that is thick at the bottom and gets progressively thinner. So it expands easy up front, but then is harder to expand on the way mm -hmm. down. And we have that interlock ring that's grabbing that lead core to try to hold it into the bullet. To maintain weight. Happen, yes. Is that, that lead will flow and expand. And as it expands on the front, on the top, it's drawing the lead up from the bottom. And there's hmm. a finite amount of lead in a bullet. So you can uh, have a scenario where that lead flows so much that you pop the lead core out of the bullet. Now you have two separate pieces of mass and they won't penetrate near as well as one solid piece of mass. Um, so that interlock bullet, we have an exposed lead tip. And we talked earlier about how exposed polymer tips can create consistent expansion versus a hollow point. Mm -hmm. Likewise, an exposed lead tip in a rifle bullet upsets very consistent because all you need to do is start to compress that lead and lead is very soft it will right. compress and it'll push that bullet nose open so you get beautiful expansion you get controlled expansion good penetration and then when you couple that with like a 350 legend or a 450 bushmaster or something like that you have this huge frontal diameter that is expanding rapidly and it's just i mean devastating results for sure and we make that interlock bullet as small as six millimeter and then all the way up to, like I said, 450 Bushmaster and every stop in between. And they do, if you're a traditional range shooter, 300 yards and in, that bullet, there's sexier products on the market like our SST and stuff. But that interlock is as tried and true as anything else. And for, yeah, black bear on down, it's a great bullet. And then with the right caliber selection and bullet weight selection, it's, it's a great elk bullet as well. Yeah, that interlock is I've I've shot that I believe I was even shooting the the no, I think I shot SSTs out of my uh muzzle loader mm -hmm. in a in a Sabbath round. So so when we're looking at other options, you know, because I'm I'll be the first to admit, you know, you you you're traveling somewhere and then you know you got bullet well I'm always looking every store I go into it to you know i'm looking at ammunition on the on the shelf especially yep. back when we had ammo shortages and different things yeah. like that it was it was horrendous so what are some other good options for yep. us besides Another, the interlock in my opinion one of well if you want to get more general or if you want a one and done then the cx bullet you can find that featured in our superformance and also in our outfitter line of ammo the CX bullet is that same copper zinc alloy that we use in our handgun hunter. Mm -hmm. Very rugged bullet, shoulder blades, frontal shots, whatever comes your way. That monolithic bullet gives you 95% or more weight retention. Um, it's just a hell for stout bullet. And if you're busting down shoulder blades or if you get the a shot opportunity, that's not the most ideal, but it's the only one you're presented the CX bullet, again, it's featured in the Outfitter line of ammunition. We also use it in Superformance. You can't go wrong with that bullet as a blanket statement. That is just a very, very versatile bullet. Um, so that one. for those. Yeah, it's it's devastating. And and like I said, they're And what calibers did you say they come in? So we do that one as small as 243 Winchester in outfitter and as big mm -hmm. as 375 ruger we do offer a 22 caliber cx offering and 223 remington but it's pretty light uh, i wouldn't recommend that for 
something where you know we're mountain lion or bear or anything. Uh, but right. 243 Winchester on up, and again they're they're a little lighter for caliber, but it's because they're monolithic and they hit like a hammer. Uh, mm-hmm. They penetrate really well. If you wanted to get more specific uh, about like, okay, well, we're just after mountain lion, let's say. Right. Uh, from a density standpoint compared to, say, a big furred up black bear or something like that, they're just not quite as uh, thick as hide. The bone structure is not near as robust. Right. Central right. nervous system uh, probably isn't going to handle shock as well as a bigger animal. Uh with their adrenals and, and there's the, the quantity of blood that they have in their body. A really good option there would be the SST and, and there's SST options that would be great for black bear as well. But the SST has a polymer tip and that thing expands in a darn hurry. And yeah. with an animal that's not very wide, you get very rapid expansion, very rapid energy transfer, and you get very quick incapacitation. So something like an SST, it's traditional lead core bullet, kind of like our interlock, but with a polymer tip, right. just increases the rate of expansion, therefore decreases the rate of penetration, but again, disrupts tissue like nothing else. And that's that's very important for you know lion hunting, stuff like that, especially, it seems like I've seen them shot with different things and you, you want something that's going to, going to knock them out pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And I you think know. an SST in that specific environment is just awesome. Same thing for wolves. I know you're not chasing wolves with hounds, but in that, uh, we're doing Wisconsin. Do you really? Yeah. Oh, Wisconsin. Wow. Yeah. I don't, but I know guys yeah. that have. That's exciting. So, yeah. And we've uh, done, we've done a lot of podcasts on, on, um, foundation for wildlife management we had justin on here and and uh so a lot of our houndsmen are into the wolf hunting thing as well so that's cool about that a little bit yeah well it's just that animal as rugged as they are they're just not super dense and and if you took a tape measure they're just not very wide either right so you need a bullet that's going to expand very rapidly to displace as much tissue as possible to hopefully shock the central nervous system, Mm -hmm. uh, where if you can interrupt that electrical activity, they'll go unconscious, you know, that typical bang flop kind of thing. And, uh, if you can get a a permanent wound cavity right through the vitals, the temporary wound cavity is going to be like a basketball, right? And that's not a big animal to imagine a wound cavity, the size of a basketball, like, you know, you inflate a balloon. Right. Um, So the SST, an awesome option for mountain lions and wolves. I like it. I like it. The guy was telling me a story yesterday. He was coyote hunting and I can't remember what he was shooting or what he bullet design or anything, but he, (laughs) it's a funny story. He, he had shot a, shot a coyote and he thought it was dead and he wrapped it uh, leash around it was dragging it out that stood up while he was oh <laughs> it stood up while he was leading it out or while he was dragging it out and he actually tied the he took his dog leash and and tied it to the to a tree because you know he didn't have his rifle or whatever gun right. he was carrying so he had to think of something so he just he hooks his ties his leash around the tree and now he's got a coyote standing there looking at him oh my god because of uh bullet performance right there so i was i was that's one of those stories that i just found very funny i mean how many people yeah. can say they've had a had a coyote on a leash yeah very few <laughs> i told him very he's few. like and he's from wisconsin i said well you're lucky it wasn't a wolf you yeah. know can you imagine oh my gosh i can't yeah you'd have your hands full but yeah, yeah. that's a uh, 
an intense situation. And yeah, bullet performance could have could have changed that whole scenario. I'm a big proponent of uh uh the saying, I forget where I picked this up, might have been our senior ballistician said this, but uh in in a hierarchy, whatever's number one beats what's number two and number three. And number one is always shot placement. And in a close second though is bullet performance. You've right. got to have a bullet. You've got to put the bullet in the right spot, but then it's, mm-hmm. it, you know, you want that bullet to expand and transfer energy. And, and, uh, yeah, if you fail to do either one of those things, you could end up with a problem. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No doubt about it. I've, I, I get into that argument about the 10 millimeter rage. You know, you got a Glock 10 millimeter that holds yeah. 15 rounds and Glock 20. Yep. Yep. It's just like, okay, so why don't you just learn to shoot the first six? <laughs> that was always my argument with, we, we carried a SIG P220. Um, it's 45 ACP yeah. and it held eight rounds. And the debate went on and on and on. The 45 was a very, I was a very good, big fan of that, that round. Sure. Um, I mean, you can almost hear freedom ringing when you say 45 ACP. Right. Um, yeah. Like there's an Eagle flying in the background. Yeah. <laughs> and there were the, the newer generation was like, well, we want more rounds. We want more rounds. And being a Marine, it's like, just learn to shoot the ones you got, you know, yeah. be much more effective with, with shot placement and familiar, uh, being familiar with your shooting platform and being effective and efficient with that. Um, but I get it. I get it. I know that, you know, round counts are, are important. But, yeah. Uh, well, and some of that, I, I'd say a large portion of that is peace of mind. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, yeah, there, whether or not you get any more rounds off or you're as effective or le- less effective, but it's the, it's the warm blanket that says I've got 15 of these things in here if, if I need them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I know from listening and talking to Bridger, he knew how many rounds he had in that pistol from the beginning, but in the heat of it all, he didn't really know how many he had fired. Yep. And so he was hoping he had, I know he only had 11 in it. And again, he admits this, he, you know, he was under the impression that you don't want to overload a magazine, not understanding that Glock designs that magazine to hold 15 rounds and to carry 15 rounds in that magazine. So he only had 11 in it. He was trying to be on the safe side and not wear out springs in his magazine. But, uh, I'm sure he was hoping and praying that he had one more, just one more yeah. round. Yeah. Uh, that's crazy. a tough, tough feeling. Well, um, sounds like he obviously made it out of it un- unscathed. It, well, he wasn't unscathed. Uh, oh. Yeah. I would, would highly recommend. It's an amazing story. It's I'll have to listen to it. Oh my gosh. It kept, you know how it is when you record a podcast, usually oh, you're, yeah. you're, you get 45 minute minutes into a topic or whatever. And, and you're trying to find things to talk about and, and, you know, keep the conversation. This wasn't the case with this one, man. He's right such on. a great storyteller. An hour and five minutes. I was looking, I was just happened to glance at my, and I was still on the edge of my seat, you know, wow. listening to this thing. So yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Well, well let me ask you a question from a company standpoint. Sure. Um, we talked a lot about monolithic bullets and we've seen the press and everything on, on, um, you know, non-toxic shot on our wildlife refuges mm-hmm. and where that's headed. It's probably going to spill over into a lot of public land hunting is 
Hornady leaning into that concept that we could be going to a, a non-toxic, lead-free type bullet? Is that why we you started working on monolithics, or were you guys working on that years ago? So we came out with our first monolithic bullet in 2009. Okay. It was called the GMX. And as I understand it, I wasn't here for that, but, but as I understand it, the the fact that it is non-toxic is a corollary. It is a, oh, it, oh, it just happens to be non-toxic. The benefit though is in the terminal performance. And that's why you're seeing like our CX now, which is our premier copper zinc alloy hunting bullet. Mm -hmm. The terminal performance is just outstanding. And so we're just, again, we want something for every shooter. So yeah, it is non-toxic, but the big push for us wasn't because it's non-toxic and certainly isn't now that you know there, there could be more places that become you know non-toxic required that's not the goal the goal was to provide a really hard-hitting deep penetrating monolithic bullet that would bust through shoulder blades and thick hide and you know if you get a chance to go to africa it is the bullet for african planes game uh yeah it is they just hit so hard and penetrate so deep it's it's remarkable uh on the lead free world i don't know uh, like i said at least at my level of employment there's not something i'm greatly concerned with at this point i'm sure the hornadies are keeping an eye on it sure. but lead always has been an ideal material for bullet core and it always will be an ideal material because it just flat works mm -hmm. um uh, i've not seen uh, a ton of viable research on lead poisoning and consumption of meat or anything but it is an option for people out there that don't want to hunt with lead core bullets hunt with a monolithic we've got an accurate bullet that hits like a freight train yeah yeah the first first cop wasn't remington the first one that came out with a copper solid deer slug or something like that i would have thought it would have been barnes but i don't know that because that all happened yeah decades ago yeah and barn makes a great bullet there's no doubt there yeah yeah well what else we got? What's going on over at Hornady? Why do people need to tune into Hornady and keep an eye on what you guys are doing? You guys have been industry leaders for a long time. So Yeah. I think one of the one of the reasons people should keep an eye on us that that are into shooting uh is simply because of the innovation like you mentioned. Uh Hornady for those that don't know is a small family-owned company. And before I was in marketing, I worked in the R&D field of our ballistics lab. And what the kind of peek behind the curtain, because we're small, because we're family owned, the rate of innovation happens right now. I mean, there, there's no, oh, I have to wait for the biweekly or the, the weekly or the monthly engineering meeting so that I can uh, propose a project and then get budget clearance and make sure that the, you know, the, the marketing or the engineering director is okay with it. There is none of that. So if you have a good idea for a project, uh, you clear it with your boss and he'll give you the thumbs up and say, all right, go ahead, you know, make sure that this, that, and the other thing is done and you're free to go. And so the rate of innovation of new product development and new product discovery happens so quickly. Every year we're able to come out with a home run product that just knocks it out of the park that changes the landscape of shooting as a whole. So uh, that's one thing. And then another reason to check out the Hornady podcast we we talk about a bunch of stuff, but one of the things we really like to focus on is the study of precision shooting, mm -hmm. external ballistics, 
ballistic calculators. We have a Doppler radar that everybody knows about that when we dive into a bunch of things on a bunch of topics that we go long form on that really, you know, dispel a lot of dogma and a lot of myths. Um, so yeah, I check out the Hornady podcast for those again, anything long range shooting, precision, new products. Um, that's what we're known for. And, and we're going to continue to innovate and we're going to continue to push the envelope for sure. Yeah. What a, what a opportunity there to go from your ballistics lab into marketing. No yeah. wonder you're so smooth about being able to talk about bullet designs and things like that. So yeah, it was a, that's the coolest job at Hornady. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I've gotten to do some pretty amazing things in the marketing gig, but, uh, ballistic engineering and the kind of the new product R and D is next level fun. If you're yeah. a gun guy, <laughs> I bet, I bet. So website is Hornady. Yep. www.hornady.com. And then, uh, on the YouTube, uh, it's just the Hornady channel, uh, uh, search Hornady into YouTube. And then we have a playlist of the Hornady podcast and the podcast yep. is available on YouTube. We do 4k video and audio. It's available iTunes, Spotify, all the other, you know, uh, podcasting apps as well. Well, Seth, I really appreciate you taking time to, yeah, absolutely. Uh, to educate us on bullets, especially me. I've, I, I guess I'm to the point where, uh, this sort of stuff's a lot of my friends in hunting and law enforcement were a lot more into bullet designs and calibers and, you know, be a little more techie than I was. Yeah. I was more of a, you know, knuckle dragger, trigger puller type guy. I just needed that's stuff okay to work. too. And, well, uh, one last thing, uh, yeah. for, for the guy, like you said, the knuckle draggers that are good at pulling the trigger that maybe aren't as techie Hornady has a staff of people. I don't know if there's probably eight or 10 of them up there right now. Uh, those guys up on our tech staff, they all hunt, they all shoot, they all reload. They're all bullet experts. Most of them shoot competitively and you can call them free of charge 800-338-3220 and extension three will bounce you upstairs to our technical service department. And if you have a question about construction or performance or what you should choose for this, that, the other thing, give those guys a call. Like I said, they're, they're Monday through Friday, normal business hours, and they'll talk to you about it. Cool. And the thing I like about this box is it says made in the USA. Right on. Yeah, buddy. Well, Seth, thanks a lot. I appreciate your time. Make yes, sure that uh, you're checking out Hornady at hornady.com i know you guys have done a lot of good work for the you know in the industry over the years everything from uh working with the non-profits to make sure that we keep people shooting and hunting and and all that good stuff so you're our type of people seth right and, on likewise uh, glad to have you on the podcast make sure you're checking out houndsman xp at houndsmanxp.com check out our new merchandise we've got a lot of stuff over there leather patch caps tumblers all kinds of goodies and represent thanks for listening to the houndsman xp podcast this is fair chase <laughs>